Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. The first week in this series, we kind of talked about Inside, looking inward. We talked about uh, an, an inward type of faith and how, how we have to look uh, inward, which is insight, how God gives us insight. And all of the things, the plans that we have for our life is not something that we came up with our own. It was a, a burden that God placed in every single one of our hearts from the moment of conception. And it's called purpose. So that's but it requires us for us to look inward. Then the second week we talked about looking ahead, right? So God gave us a vision. He gave us a purpose at the morning of, at the moment of conception when we were conceived in our mother's womb. And then after that, he gives us prophetic vision to see the plans. And that's where our burden comes, like that thing we want to do. God has called every single one of us to do something that only we can do. Right. Nobody in our family could do it and our neighbors can do it. Our friends can do it. God has gifted you specifically with the gift that only you can do. And then last week we talked about how how you are qualified, like you are more than qualified to do what you need to do. God gives us uh, the gifts, but he also gives us provision in order to fulfill the gifts and the vision he's called us for. Today, we're going to shift and just 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 talk about the important the most necessary component to seeing your vision happen, and it's faith. So I've entitled today's message, Blind Faith. I'm going to attempt, my brothers and sisters, to unpack a very uh, familiar passage that we find in the gospel according to John, and it's a scripture that we find in the ninth chapter of John. And, and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm literally, don't get nervous, we're not going to read all of it right now. We're just going to break it down bit by bit. But what I'm going to do is literally walk us through the entire chapter to help you see what it takes to be successful by the way of blind faith. Let me pray real quick and we'll jump into this word. Father God, bless my tongue. Let my voice sound similar to yours today. Let me not forget a single detail of this message that you've had me labor over or co-labor over for the benefit of your people. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart are pure and acceptable unto you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, your word is perfect and it is infallible and inerrant. So, God, I will not attempt to add anything to your word, nor will I take away anything. It is perfect just as it is. Let the only thing that I... Married to your word is a testimony. That's the only thing I will marry to your word this morning. A testimony is to show that how by faith we too can achieve all that you've called us to do. So God bless our short time together. Bless me, your messenger. Let these words fall not on deaf ears, but receptive hearts so that we can leave this place and say we had a good time. Not because pastor preached so well, but because we had a radical encounter with you today. God, we thank you in advance in Jesus name. Amen. 
According to the gospel, according to John in chapter nine, I want you to if you have your Bible, you can meet me there. If not, guess what? We'll have it on the screen. So make it easy for you. But if you are still one of those uh, old school seasoned saints that like to flip pages right under your seat, we have a Bible for you. All right. We make sure that there's no excuse for you to jump in on this word. So meet me over in the book of uh, uh, John chapter nine. And I am going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He saw a man that had been blind from the day he was born. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why is this, more, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now, you got to understand, put your finger on the pause button. You've got to understand the historicity of this message. You've got to understand the context. You've got to understand the scenery, everything that was going on in this time. Uh, during this time, when you were stricken with illnesses and ailments, the people of that time, specifically the Jewish leaders, they, they attributed your sickness or your ailment to a sin that maybe you committed or your parents committed at some point. But because this man was blind, they looked and asked, well, what did his parents do? And let me tell you about blind faith sometimes. When God gives you a vision and we don't pursue that vision, we begin to blame people for us not pursuing that vision. Let me tell you what I mean. When God says, hey, you're going to be the first one in your family to graduate college, you're like, uh-uh, nobody else graduated college, so that's not going to be me. When God gives you a vision and says, hey, you're going to start a multi-million dollar business, you look and say, I'm not qualified, and nobody in my family has quali was qualified, so I am not going to do that. When God says, Broderick, I'm calling you to be a pastor, I pause and say, ain't nobody in my family even saved enough to be called pastor, and you're calling me to pastor. Why? Because like this man, like those disciples, they were looking at what God was getting ready to do for him based upon what his parents did. And a lot of us, when God deposits a visit in us, we look at what has happened in the past. We look at our parents' qualifications, not our own. Am I talking to anybody this morning? How many of you heard of generational curses? I get sick and tired of people saying, oh, man, uh, 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 you know, it, this is always poverty has always existed in my family. We have a generational curse. There's no such thing as that. Not nowadays. That, that, listen, the, the yoke of generational curses was broke when Jesus gave his breath on the cross. The yoke of generational curses fell off. We have used generational air quote. Uh, uh, generational curses as a crutch for us not being successful and fulfilling the plans that God has for us. And this is what's happening here. So these disciples see this man who's blind and, and he's been blind since birth. So his success in life is predicated on a sin, perhaps, from his parents. I want to help us to understand that whatever God has called you to do, don't look at your past. Don't look at your parents' past. Don't look at what you've done or what they've done. No, the only reason you're not successful is because you have not let the one who could make you successful make you successful. You're stuck in the past. You're stuck on stuff that had nothing to do with you. Too many people look at what has happened or hasn't happened in their family to determine their ability to be successful. Let's move on. Verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. 
We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. Pay close attention. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, then one, then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Bible tells us here, this is where it gets a little crazy, little, little, little weird, a uh, little grotesque, if you will. Here it is. The Bible tells us then he, meaning Jesus, spit on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Then he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Salome, which means scent. Hold on. Pause, Pastor B. I want you to connect that point because you just said sent twice. I want to see the connector there. So, so here it is. Jesus says we must be about the work for the one who sent us. Right. They were sent on an assignment to do something before night. And here it is. You know what they were sent to do? Do something that would give honor to God's name. Give do something that would give honor to God's name. And what is that? Heal a man that was born blind where everybody thought he was born that way because of his parents' sins. And Jesus points out in this moment, he says, no, this didn't happen because of what anybody did. This happened because of what the one who sent us did. And because he sent us, he wants us now to show the world that he is the one that can fix everything. But we've got to send him to the place called sent. The one who sent us will use us to touch somebody and send them to a place called sent, a pool called sent, where sent ones are called and then sent out. Here's something interesting. I don't want to ignore the saliva. I was startled to discover that Jesus loved to work spit. I've been told in the past that nobody sits on the front row here because they say that when I preach, sometimes I spit. <laughs> Y'all do know I'm connected to Jesus. There's anointing in my saliva. I'm just playing. <laughs> Listen, so I did some research. I said, man, what, what is this about Jesus and this spit? Because if I read the Bible, watch this, meet me over uh, in another area. The Bible says the man uh, didn't have sight. We'll talk about spit in a minute, but I want to fix this real quick before I get there. The Bible says the man didn't have sight, but his other faculties were fine. I want to talk about the man for a minute, then we'll talk about the spit. The Bible said the man did not have sight, but his other faculties were fine. What do you mean by that, Pastor B.? Let's go to scripture really quick. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool called Salon, which means sent. Then the Bible says in the very next verse, so the man went and washed and came back seeing. You know what the Bible doesn't say? That the man asked Jesus, hey, how am I going to get to Salon? The Bible doesn't say the man said, wait, 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 Jesus, uh, uh, where is Salon at again? The Bible doesn't say... Well, well, you know I can't see, so, so who's going to help me get there? No, the Bible says in this one verse, verse 7, the section called the B section, he says here that the man went, washed himself, and was seeing. Too many of us, God tell us to do something, and we start asking questions, and God says, I'm not blessing you to ask questions. I just want you to go where I told you to go. If I said it, that settles it. Amen. All of my promises are yes and amen. If I say go... Just start walking and we'll figure the rest out. 
He did the same thing for Abraham. He told Abraham, he says, listen, man, I, I got a place that I've promised you, but I need you to leave this place to get there. The Bible doesn't say Abraham said, wait, 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 wait. Uh, um, what, are the, what, are, what, are, what is the address? I want to put it in my GPS. I want to put it in my Waze app. I need to know where I'm going. I want to see what traffic looks like on my way. No, no, no. The Bible says Abraham, check this out. This is the best part. Not just Abraham. The Bible says Abraham gathered his family and they went. Only thing they knew was to go north. They did not know where to stop. They did not know what it looked like, where they were going. They did not know when they reached their point. All they knew was God said, go, and I will show you where you're going, but you've got to start going. And here's the same thing that happened here with this blind man. He said, go to the pool of Siloam. The Bible doesn't tell us this man knew where Siloam was. The Bible doesn't tell us that this man uh, uh, had help. All we know is that the man went. And here's what I want to tell you. I want you to take the posture of this man. If God says go, you do, this ain't a time for you to look at your bank account to see if you got enough money to go. You just go. Uh, if God says go, this ain't a time to look on your wall to see if you have the degree necessary to go. When God says go, this ain't a time to look through your phone and see if everybody you need to go with is connected to you. No, when God says go, you just pack your bags and go and find your way there. The Bible says this man was blind, meaning he couldn't see, but he had legs to walk. So he began walking. The Bible says this man was blind, but he had a voice to speak. He probably got help along the way. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. Can you help me? The Bible says this man was blind, but he had hands to feel his way until he got to the pool called Salome. The Bible says this in essence. He may not have had sight, but he had other faculties that would help him get to the place he had to get to get his blessing. And I'm telling you this morning, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare start looking at what you don't have and start operating and activating what you do have in order to achieve what God has in store for you. Are you with me this morning? I know I'm preaching too soon, but I'm feeling this in my bones this morning. The Bible tells us he didn't have sight, but he used his other faculties. In other words, I'm not going to let nothing get in my way from me getting what God promised me. If, if this man, Jesus, told me to go here, I've tried everything else. The Bible tells us in verse 8 that the man was a beggar. The Bible tells us that he was out there begging all the time. Nobody offered the same kind of healing that Jesus did. All of a sudden, Jesus comes and say. Go to this place. He didn't put mud on his eyes with his own spit. The man didn't question the unorthodox way of the blessing. Too many of us do that. God, why are you sending me this way? God, why are you doing this? Why are you withholding back these blessings? God, are you going to bless me through that person? Do you realize that I've heard of people becoming saved through the voice of a wino? That's an alcoholic. I've, I've heard people coming to Christ in the weirdest places in the middle of a Walmart. Oh, no, no, that can't happen because that's unorthodox. I believe the only place I can get salvation is in the church. The church is everywhere. We're the church. This is just a building that the church gathers in. Come on, somebody. And here it is. We question God's blessings because it's not the way we expected to receive it. The man said, I can't see. But I can hear. I can't, I, I, I can't see, but I can talk. I can't see, but I can walk. I can't see, I can crawl if I need to. But I am getting in the pool called sent because the one who was sent sent me there. <laughs> Y'all let that go right over your head. 
I'm going to the pool called sent because the one who was sent sent me there. And if the one who was sent sent me there, there's nothing that can get in the way of that. Now, let's get back to this, this saliva. Y'all been waiting for it. Here it is. There are several passages where we see Jesus perform miracles with spit. I mean, literally, I mean, I mean, spit. Nasty spit. Some of y'all, I've watched you get out of your car and you see somebody has spit and you and you and you you walk all the way over here. Let me tell you about a quick story. I was on my way somewhere. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just one of those type of people. I was on my way somewhere. I'm in traffic and I saw a guy roll down his window and he spit. I switched lanes like it's going to get on me in the car. That's just nasty. Come on. Nobody likes spit is nasty. But spit is necessary. Several passages in the Bible where Jesus used spit. Mark 7, verse 33. Jesus heals a deaf man by sticking his finger in the man's ear. <laughs> when I read that, I just laughed because I just see, I see Jesus doing one of these numbers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm such a kid. Y'all got to forgive me. I'm, I, I need to grow up. My wife tells me that all the time, all right? So he sticks his finger in the man's ear And he heals his speech impediment. You ready for this? This is where it's going to get really juicy. No pun intended. He sticks his finger in the ear. Then he heals the man's speech impediment by spitting on his fingers and then sticking his fingers and touching the man's tongue. Right. (laughs) Baby girl said it right. Ew. Can you imagine that? Anybody in here got a stuttering problem? Come here. Let me help you out. Let me let me touch your tongue with my spit. Look at y'all, y'all tripping already. Y'all already looking for the hand sanitizer just with that thought in your mind. Now, we're talking about, just just to put this in real context here, we're talking about Jesus who didn't have a a car. We're talking about Jesus where there wasn't public restrooms to wash your hands. We're talking about Jesus who walked everywhere, who watched this, the same Jesus who sometimes would draw in the dirt and in the mud and draw lines and stuff. We're talking about this Jesus, right? Walking, sweaty. Dirty, the same dude that be washing people's feet, spits on his fingers as they stick out your tongue. Say, stick it out. Healed. (laughs) And y'all are quiet because guess what? Jesus does some crazy stuff like that for you, but you miss it. (laughs) He he does some unorthodox uh, 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 methods. He uses unorthodox uh, methods to bless you, but you ignore them because that don't seem holy enough. Why does he keep using spit? I'm not done. He did it again, y'all. I was shocked. I said, Jesus, you better stop spitting on these people. Mark 8, 22 through 26. Watch this. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Okay, that was perfect. I mean, this is the same Jesus that touched the leper. He didn't use spit on the leper. Right. This is the same Jesus that touched lame people. This is the same Jesus who used regular ways of healing people. So he brought the man to Jesus and said, please, Jesus, touch him is what they said. That was their request. Touch him and heal him. No, Jesus got to be extra. Right. He got to be extra. Jesus took the blind man by the hand. Come on and follow me, son. I got something for you. Let him out of the village because I don't want people to see what I'm about to do. Then the Bible says, then spitting on the man's eyes. Oh, this time he ain't even had the courtesy to get dirt. He was just like, (laughs) can you imagine you standing there, you blind, all of a sudden you splat, splat. Whoa, did you just spit on me, homie? 
Is that how we doing this now? You spitting on folks? The people asked you just to touch me, but you're going to spit in my eyes. Watch this. Then he said to the man, can you see anything now? Now, some of y'all would have been start. Y'all would have been swinging already. No, I can't see, but keep on talking. I'm going to find where you at, Jack. You ain't going to be spitting in my eyes, right? The man couldn't see. So the man looked around and said, yes, I see. He said, uh, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. So as many of you know, I'm currently working toward a master's degree in apologetics, and so I'm always studying, studying, studying. So I did an extensive study to understand what is the meaning of Spit. Why, Jesus, do you use spit? There's so other many, there's so many other things you could use to heal. And guess what? Even scholars are baffled with his use of saliva as a method or as a form of healing. And so what what what, what has happened is we had to go to the historicity, the historical context to understand what was the significance of spit during this time. And here it is. Many uh, in ancient Jewish times, many believe that there was healing properties in saliva, but that's not why Jesus done it. Can I give you all my reason why I think Jesus done it? Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a scholar, but this is what I think about it. Um, There was a time uh, two years ago when I asked my wife, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, for Christmas gifts. She asked me, honey, what you want for Christmas? I said, oh, baby, you know what? I know you got a little extra money happening because she was teaching. I want some AirPods. Yes, I want some AirPods. So when I'm riding my bike or when I'm working out, I got some AirPods. And I was so excited when she got in the house. She said, ah, I can't wait for you to get your Christmas gift. And I knew that I had some AirPods as my Christmas gift. And then the box came and she wrapped it up. She wouldn't let me see it. And I was like, eh. That's that's about the size of an AirPod box. I would imagine I've never had any. So I'm assuming that that's the size of an AirPod box. So I can't wait for Christmas to open this box with which I know there's going to be AirPods in it. And and so the box came and I unwrapped it on Christmas Day. And I'm so excited because I'm like, I'm I'm up here thinking I'm going to charge them up. Then I'm going to go take me a bike ride with them. Oh, it's going to be so crazy. Christmas Day. AirPods coming. AirPods coming. I was excited. I opened the box and I was like that don't look like an apple box this look like so what what is this writing ancestry.com that ain't airpods i did not ask for a dna test i asked for airpods what is this madness so i'm upset now that i got ancestry.com i'm mad that i got ancestry.com until i actually decided to give it a try Now, if you're not familiar with Ancestry.com, it's one of these DNA things to check out your family lineage. So you you literally, if you have Ancestry.com, y'all know the process. They send a kit, and in the kit, you have to spit because that's the only way they can extract your DNA. So you spit in this thing, this tube, and you got to get it up to a line. And when you spit in this tube, you send it in, and then they come back, and they tell you, based upon your DNA, your saliva sample, uh, we traced your lineage back to X, Y, and Z. And so for me, I was very excited when my results came back because my wife and I, we often debate, and I don't even know why she bothers debating, which one of us has more African ancestry, right? I'm like, dude, you, you just, you can't even touch this. 
So my, listen, I was shocked by the results. My results come back and like 30 some percent Middle Eastern. I'm like, me and Jesus are first cousins. Quit playing. <laughs> oh, that's, I brag about it all day long. I'm like, yo, I'm from, I ain't even, listen, they didn't even give me credit for my Puerto Rican heritage. I was mad until I realized, wait a minute, 32% Jesus is better than anything else. I'll take that. I'm happy about that. I'm excited about that. Now, let me tell you why this is significant, because the only way that we can get our DNA is through saliva. And so when Jesus spit, this is what he was doing. He was exchanging your current DNA and giving his DNA. His DNA is the one that has the healing properties. His DNA is the one that helps you see when you're blind. His DNA is the one that exchanges your generational curses for blessings in the future. He exchanges your DNA for his DNA. So no longer when you look in the mirror you see your last name no longer is your last name on there no you are now called child of God that's the DNA you have now so that's the exchange he does with spit he changes DNA I came up with that on my own Will I wouldn't have had it if I got the airpods you're right I'm still gonna get them though Next week, I plan on getting them. Don't tell Erica. <laughs> hey, honey. Here we go. Back to what I was saying. So that's what I believe the DNA is for. This is what the spit is for. We think that is some, something magical. We think that is something that it has something to do with tradition and ethnicity. No, it has everything to do with the one who was sent because he was sent by a father who, planned, who, 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 who loves all of us unconditionally. The one who makes promises for, for us for good and not disaster to give us a hope and a future. The one who, is, who is, the, is the one that is here and is to come. He gives us his DNA and we don't have to rely on our own. Our family dynamic can't stop what he has planned for us. Your current circumstances can't stop what he has planned for you. Your, no, 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 your finances can't interrupt his plans for you. Stop looking at these things as crutches. If God said it, believe it. That settles it. Amen. Amen is the exclamation point on a perfect sentence. That's it. If he said it, all of his promises are yes and amen. Let's go to verse 8. I'm still, I'm still working through the scripture. I'm still working through it. His neighbors and others knew him as a blind beggar, and they asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, nah, he just looked like him. Y'all know that's what's going to happen when God blesses you, right? <laughs> you don't look like nothing now. You, you were borrowing money last week, but now everybody, now you're the lender and not the borrower, right? And people are going to look at you like, nah, that, that ain't him. That just looked like that person because that person couldn't be this successful that fast. Uh, no, no, that person was single the other week, and now we're talking about they're engaged and getting married. No, that don't make any sense. That person was broke the other week. They borrowed money from me. Now you're telling me they're starting a business? That can't be the same person. And when God, watch this, blesses you in the way that he plans to bless you, people won't look at you the same. They won't be able to identify you. They will be baffled by God's work in your life. Oh, I know you were crying the other day. You were begging, oh, and you're crying, oh, Lord, woe is me. Oh, my life is a mess. But then all of a sudden, in an instant, God can change that when he changes his DNA for your DNA, right? And all of a sudden, people look, they won't believe it. They can't believe that you got so blessed so fast. How is it possible? Because I serve a God who does the impossible. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. But the beggar kept saying, yo, it's me. 
Like it's like it's legitimately me. This me. No, that ain't you. No, this me. That can't be you. You don't have a degree, but it's me. That can't be you. You're not qualified, but it's me. That can't be you. You are getting ready to jump off a bridge, but this is me. This is me. This, it, it's really me. This is where it gets good. Pay close attention. They said, okay, then, if it's you, who healed you? What happened? I'm on verse number 10. Verse 11. He told them, they call, they, 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 he told them, the man they called Jesus, ooh, I like that. The man they called Jesus made mud, and he spread it over my eyes. I want y'all to pay close attention. He didn't tell them how he made mud. Y'all notice he, he withheld that information. He, 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 know, that would be too far-fetched for anybody to believe. Because then the next question would be like, wait, he's spitting the mud and you ain't do nothing about it? I don't believe it, right? But listen, he, he left that part out, right? I just wanted to point that out. I thought it was funny. So he said, listen, the man called Jesus, they called Jesus, made mud, and he spread it over my eyes, and he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed, and guess what? Now I can see. Here they go. Here they go. Here go your haters. Well, where is he now? Where he at now? And the man said, I don't know. Then they took the man who had been blind. They took him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the know-it-alls, right? Because it was on the Sabbath. Oh, wait, you ain't supposed to be healing on the Sabbath, Jesus. The Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes. This is the second time. At this point, he's like, man, I'm tired of telling y'all this. The man put the mud over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see. Exclamation point. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous things? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man third time who had been blind and demanded, what is your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. Do y'all realize that's how much God will bless you? That's how, that's how deep and how, how bold. Bible says he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. So much so that they even they have doubts. And here it is. We they don't believe this man so much. They're like, yo, call his mama, call his daddy. We need receipts because this ain't making no sense here. So they called his parents. And then here, here's a question. Check it out. Is this your son? Like, is like, is this your son? And the, and the parents was like, uh, they were like, was he born blind? If so, how can he see? So now they're questioning the validity of his condition. And here's the thing about it. <laughs> when you get blessed, people are going to say, oh, you wasn't that depressed in the first place. Uh, when you get blessed, oh, man, you were holding back money. You had money already. Uh, when you get blessed, they're going to say, no, you wasn't that sad in the first place. You wasn't that bad off in the first place. You just was acting out. We need receipts to know that you were really on the brink of breaking down, really on the brink of losing it all, really losing your mind. They want receipts. That's what haters do because they have not seen that same kind of blessing in their life. So here it is. His parents replied, we know. There's no we think. They're like, no, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was Messiah will be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. In other words, listen, if he say Jesus and y'all want to kill him, that's between y'all and him. We ain't getting in it. All we can tell you is what you ask. Yes, it's our son. Yes, he was born blind. How he was healed. Whatever he said, y'all listen. We ain't in this. That's between y'all. That's what people will do when you get blessed. <laughs> they'll, uh, 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 they'll turn their back on you. They'll pretend, they'll pretend like they don't know you. Not because of your blessings, but because that they can't take credit for your blessings. They, can't, they, they don't have the authority. They don't have the permission. They don't have the line to say, hey, I helped see that. So they just move on. Here it is. So then he says, so for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Not even knowing that they're talking about God. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. I don't know what you call him. He could be a sinner. He could be wretched. I don't care what you call him. All I know is this one fact. At one point, I couldn't see. But the next moment, I could. I don't care if it came from the sinner, the saint, the pagan. All I know is the facts remain. I couldn't see at one point. Watch this. And now I can see. Now, whatever you want to call him, that's between y'all. But he deserves great credit for that because I was born this way. And for the first time, I can see. I don't care what you guys call it. Then they cursed the man. Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. We know, we, we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Verse 30. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, mm, and yet you don't know where he comes from. In essence, he's saying, he healed my eyes, and y'all don't even believe your own scripture that said that he was going to come and do this. He healed my eyes, and y'all don't even believe your own prophecy that said he would come and do this, that he was coming to restore sight to the blind. Scripture said that he would come to restore sight to the blind, set the captives free. Huh? They don't even believe their own scriptures and it's right in front of them. Many of us are just like these Pharisees. We don't believe our own scriptures when God has blessed us. It's impossible for God to be uh, uh, blessing me this way. It's impossible for me to receive this. Some of us don't believe when God has blessed us. You sure it's me, oh Lord, that you are blessing in this season? So then let's go further. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't have done it. Now he's using their history to prove their point. Since y'all been around on this earth, have y'all ever seen this? Have y'all ever heard of this? No. And it happened. And why is it so hard for you to believe? You won't believe your scriptures. You won't believe the history. And here I am living proof that it happens, but you won't believe it. Here's what happens when you get blessed. If you're doing it right, if you're a Christian, you share your blessing. You talk about how good God has been. People question about how good and faithful God has been in your life. People don't believe you. And when you try to give them the good news and say, you know what? If it happened to me, it could happen to you. People begin to question if it's possible. You start talking about what the Bible says. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear nothing about your Bible. By faith. I don't want to hear nothing about your faith. Tell me how you really got it. (laughs) Tell me what you really did. 
Tell me who you really are. Tell me what you really had hidden. People don't want to hear it when you try to offer them the exact same thing that you receive by faith. My brothers and sisters, let me tell you, blind faith doesn't require sight. It requires vision. Blind faith doesn't require sight. It requires vision. And I believe that the vision that this man had was one day he'd have the ability to see. That's the vision he had. He didn't need sight to see himself healed. And I'm telling you today, you have to operate on blind faith if you want to have 2020 vision. Come on, somebody. You got to operate on blind faith. You don't need to see it to believe it. You just got to believe it until it happens. You follow what I'm saying? You've got to, by faith, believe it. This man, by faith, believed it. This is why, no matter what it took, he got to the pool of Siloam, asked no questions, didn't ask for help. He used whatever he had to get there. Why? Because he had a vision of himself being healed, according to this man. He didn't ask about the mud. He didn't ask about the spit on his eyes. No, he had a vision of one day being able to see what he had been missing out on. And we have to operate in the same kind of faith. Blind faith doesn't require sight. It requires vision. You need to see yourself better off. You need to see yourself healed. You need to see yourself prosperous you need to see yourself in relationship you need to see yourself successful that's vision you don't have to have sight to have that I've heard a saying once what's worse than being blind is having sight with no vision it's a very familiar quote many of you heard from a very famous writer who was blind but the beauty of this writer is that she didn't have physical sight, but she had vision. That hundreds of years later, we're still quoting her quotes. Hundreds of years later, we're still reading her writing. Not because she had sight, but because she had vision. And I want to ask you, my brothers and sisters and those on Facebook Live, what kind of vision would you be known for? What kind of vision will your legacy leave? What kind of vision will they know about you? When your name is done and at your funeral, what will your obituary say about your vision? Nobody's going to sit there and talk about, oh, man, they have some pretty eyes and they can see well. Whatever they say about you is connected to your vision and it's tied to your legacy. How will you be known? How you will be known is tied to your vision, not your sight. Your sight is what sometimes prohibits you. From your success, your sight is what stops you. You look at the wall and you don't see any degrees. Ah, I can't possibly do this thing you called me to do, God. You look at your relationships and ain't nobody in your group hanging, you know, successful. Well, you just got to get new friends. That's all that. That's easy. Just shift who you're hanging out with. We're going to talk about that next month, by the way. We're going to talk about that next month. Stop using your sight to fulfill your vision. This is why you're not where you want to be, because you've used your sight to fulfill your vision when all you need is to look inward, prophetic insight. Remember, we talked about that prophetic foresight, prophetic hindsight. You need to look that and those only come from sight from God. Stop looking with your physical eyes to fulfill your vision. Look through spiritual eyes and be guided by the one. Who gives you the vision in the first place? You hear what I'm saying? All right, here we are. Here we are. Let me, let me, let me finish this up and then we're done right here, right here. Here's what stops us. Because we're talking about faith. 
right? We're talking about blind faith, and blind faith does not require sight. It requires vision. But you know what else gets in the way of our vision? I'm done right here. Y'all can get ready. Here it is. Mark chapter 9, verse 22 through 24. The Spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Let me, let me, let me give you the backstory here. Here's a man that's come to Jesus pleading with him because here it is. This is going on. His son is demon possessed. The demons that are in him, the devil that is in him constantly makes him want to kill himself. Bible tells us that this man, this man's son jumps into fire trying to kill himself, but even the fire can't kill him. The man tells us that the Bible tells us that this man's son hurts himself trying to kill himself, but he can't kill himself because he's demon possessed. And so so finally, they're like, there's a man named Jesus that can help you. So the man here it is. He comes to Jesus and, and he's explaining what happened. So here Jesus asks him, he says, well, what do you mean if I can? How many of us have if I can prayers? Y'all better stop them if I can prayers. Because when you say if I can, when you go to Jesus saying, Lord, if you can just today. You're doubting him. The minute you say if, we're talking about a God that is a definite, a God who does what he says he's going to do. And this man, this is how many of us approach the throne of God. Lord, uh, if you can, help us if you can. Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Homeboy, you came to me, so you must know I can. Homeboy, you came to me, so you must know about me. You came to me, so you must have heard my stories. You came to me, so you know what I can do. So what do you mean if? And some of y'all is the same way. Y'all go to God with if, and you just always say to just pause for a moment and look back over your life and remember your testimony. So there ain't no such thing as if. If I did it before, I'll do it again. And if you haven't experienced the hand of my righteousness, ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask big mama them. If I did it for them, I'll do it for you. And if that ain't enough... Just pick up your Bible and start at Genesis and see what I did for Abraham and Lot. And I want you to see what I did for Sarah and keep on going and see what I did for David. See what I did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown in a fire. Three of them thrown in there, but there were four when they looked in there. And because I was right there with them. If I did it for them, I'll do it for you. What do you mean if? Of course I'll do it. Here's what Jesus says. He said, anything is possible if a person believes. Here's where we get in trouble. And this is where we stop. Here it is. Father, the father instantly cried out. He said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And that's where we struggle. (laughs) Come on, pastor struggles there too. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. I, I, I believe you're going to bless our church. I, I, I believe you'll fill this place up. But help my unbelief. And you know where your unbelief comes from? Because I'm looking at my vision with my sight, not looking at my vision with his sight. I'm looking at it with my physical eyes. And if I look here, I say, I don't see it happening in this sanctuary. I don't see it happening here with empty seats. I don't see it happening here with the empty stage and the worshipers. I don't see it happening here with a small budget. So help my unbelief. Oh, I believe you're going to do it. But give me something to hold on until it happens. I believe you're going to do it. But give me something to believe in that I can't see with my own eyes right now. I believe it. But Lord, help my unbelief. I'm too old, God. How in the world are you going to still bless me? Help my unbelief. 
I believe you're going to do it, but I've been waiting for 40 years. Help my unbelief. I believe you're going to do it because you did it for my parents. But right now, I've been waiting and crying out for 30 years. Help my unbelief. I believe it will happen. But my unbelief says when. Help me with the unbelief. Because right now, I'm facing faith fatigue. I've got all the faith I've gotten, but I'm suffering from faith fatigue. My faith has grown weary, so help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, though I believe. Amen? Amen. 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 Help my unbelief. Listen, all heads bowed in this room today. We're about done right here. And I just want to extend the opportunity for you to receive Christ. Maybe you've already accepted him in your life, but life happens. Maybe, maybe that's your story, right? God, I believe, but my, man, my unbelief, yeah, needs a lot of work. If you want to rededicate your life to Christ today, I don't need you to come to this stage. I just need you to just lift your hands as a sign of surrender, and we're going to pray. You want to recommit your life to God today, just lift your hands as a posture of surrender. Receive him today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Hallelujah. I see all your hands. Maybe, maybe you have it, you've already accept, you never accepted Christ. And today you're saying, you know what? I want to give this, this God thing a chance. I want to give this Jesus thing a chance. If that's you, you want to receive Christ today. You want to build up your unbelief. Just lift your hands as a posture of surrender. Let me pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those who surrendered their hands unto God today, let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you for those who realize that they've done the best they can with what they can, but they need more of you right now. God, every hand is lifted up today, God, is not because I asked, but because they, they've done the best they can and they surrender it to you now. God, I pray for that hand that's in the arrow, God, that heart that is surrendered to you, that heart that's open saying, here I am, Lord, use me. I'm praying for that hand, oh God, that says, I want to start all over. I realize that I've missed the mark. And we know that's what sin is, simply missing the mark. And they're saying, I want to do right by you. Every decision I make is led by you. I want my faith to be sure again, oh God. Help my unbelief. I'm praying, oh God, that you'd help those in their unbelief, oh God, this morning. Restore in them the joy of your salvation, oh God. And make them willing to obey in the name of Jesus. God, accept them back today. God, I pray, God, for a repentant heart, God. Those who are sinners who confess today that, Lord, I'm a sinner and that needs your grace, that stands in the need of your salvation today. God, I pray for that person today that they would receive your salvation today for the first time, second time, or many times, God. Whatever it is, would you give it to them today? Press down, shaken up, and running over. Oh, God, we believe that you've heard our prayers and let the redeemed of the Lord say so today because we know that there are redeemed people that are in our presence today. So we pray that you bless them, that you dispatch angels to their household to keep watch, that no weapon formed against them shall be prosperous. And, oh God, if you can be for us, then no devil in hell can be against us. Oh God, we declare that, we believe it, that settles that. Amen, amen, and amen. Put your hands together for those that made a decision for the Lord today. God is... Thank you for joining us today. 
Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.